A scripture passage today is from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Now today I'm going to do this uh, a little bit differently. I'm going to be reading this uh, scripture passage throughout the text and the body of the sermon. So we're not going to read it all through first. We're going to be reading along as we go along with the message today. And um, hopefully that will be just as good as reading it all at once. But uh, before we begin anyway, we still need to, uh, we're going to pause in prayer and um, ask God's Spirit to guide us. Let us pray. Good and heavenly Father, the giver of all good things and the giver of your holy and indwelling word. Father, we thank you for giving us the words of Scripture, these words inspired by the Holy Spirit that um, instruct us and guide us and uh, show us the way to truth, or the way to truth and to goodness and continually point to you and to the, uh, the saving work of your Son, Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you would uh, bless us as we move into your word. Lord, open our hearts and minds that we may hear, that we may read and understand your will for us. And bless, Lord, this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so we're looking today at Peter's first letter. And um, as you may have guessed from the title, this, this Peter who wrote it is the Apostle Peter. He's the Peter that we read about in the Bible, the one that uh, walked with Jesus, the one that even denied Jesus, the one that had the guts to rebuke him even at one point. But this was also the same Peter that Jesus looked at and said, Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And even the gates of hell will not be able to overcome. So this is a letter. This is, uh, I mean, just this is a great opportunity reading this letter. It's been saved and passed down to us, written by one of the apostles and given to us. Now, um, hopefully everybody or most of you were able to get a passport. Um, I don't know if we, we, we'll have some more next week. I apologize. We didn't have enough passports. For some reason, Amazon thought they only wanted one third of my order. Um, I don't know why. They just seem, hey, let's give him a third of this because I'm sure that's what he really wants. But uh, if you don't have one next week, we'll have the rest of the passport. So everybody get a passport. And I gave you this for a few reasons. One was it's, it's a blank book. And it's an opportunity for you to take some notes about this. As the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this uh, letter of Peter. Um, and as you go through it, I encourage you to read it on your own. And so through the sermons and your studies, to write down some notes, the advice that Peter is giving you throughout this. Because it's a very specific advice for specific people. This is who he's writing to here. He says here in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now he says, he's written to all these people, but... It's important to note that who he's writing to really is the elect exiles. That's who he's writing to, exiles. Now, uh, why does he use this word exiles? He, he uses it very deliberately, and he uses it several times in this letter, because that's who you are. We are exiles. He's writing to a specific group of exiles, but he's writing to us, because we are also the elect exiles. Now, exiles as you know, is someone who is not at home, someone who has been, for some reason or way, forced out of their home. Like think of uh, people of Ukraine. 
you know, that are living in Poland and England and America, they've been forced out of their home because of the war that's taking place in their country. They are exiles. Now, the, the word that Peter uses here is actually parapademos, big Greek word called parapademos. And it literally means one passing through. Uh, some people interpret this as sojourners or strangers or even, even aliens. But it literally means somebody that is passing through. And so what Peter is calling us is people who are passing through. And where, you may ask, are we passing through? We're passing through life. Planet Earth. The world. This place that we have made our life for a certain time. He says, we are just passing through. All of us. We're not meant to be here forever. We're not going to be here forever. No matter how deep your roots might go, you're not going to be here forever because we are the parapodemos. We are the people that are passing through. And at some point, people like to build what they call their forever home. You know, oh, this is my forever home. I'm going to make it just like I want to. It's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be in its place. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this. It's not your forever home. I don't care how nice it is. I don't care how perfect you've made it. It's not your forever home because we are people that are just passing through. This is not where we belong. This is not our world. This is not our home. No matter how deep our roots go, no matter how much we come to love it, we are the people that are passing through. But we are here for now. We know we're not meant for here. We know we're passing through. But for now, we are here. So we have to learn to live here. We have to, have to learn to live as exiles. And as we're here, we, we, we find ourselves in this life that is, it is sometimes beautiful. It really is. It is sometimes wonderful. And it's full of so much joy. And there's so many good things we have in it. But if you notice, and the longer I live in this, you, you can't live in it so long without realizing that no matter how good it is, it's tainted. Everything that we experience, no matter how nice, no matter how wonderful, is, is, is tainted a little bit. Sometimes it's tainted a lot. And, and we find that the world is, is, is full of evil, it's full of violence, it's, it's full of lawlessness. And we have to remind ourselves we are just passing through. But because we live here, and if you ever lived in, in a foreign place, like I was telling the kids about my time in England, you know, when I was there, I started to adopt some English customs. You know, I started, started to eat fish and chips. I started to call my apartment a flat and would watch the telly and, and, and say things like that because I was picking up their customs and living their way of life. And, you know, there's some good things about it, like English beer was fantastic. But I didn't want to adopt all their ways because I had to remind myself, I'm an American. I'm not English. And as we're living here in exile, there are some good things here, but we can sometimes begin to adopt the customs of this homeland, the brokenness, the lawlessness, sometimes even the evil and wickedness. So we have to remember that we're exiles. So we don't take on too many of the customs of this place that we are living here. And that's what Peter teaches us in this book, is how to live as exiles, which is why I've called this series, It is a Travel Guide for Exiles. And your passport is a book for you to write down your advice that you learn about how you can live as an exile. 
How can you remember who you really are as you're passing through your time here on earth? Now, the first bit of advice that Peter gives us is just what I just said, okay? It is remember who you are. Peter asks you to remember who you are, okay? And you are people who are benefactors of a grace that has made us heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, you were benefactors of a grace that has made you heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, all of this gets packaged into a word that we call salvation. And that's what salvation really is, is the grace that you were given that makes you an heir of Jesus Christ, meaning everything that Jesus Christ gets, you get too. The glory, the eternal life, all that is yours also. And you've been given that by grace through Jesus Christ. And that is what we call salvation. Um, Y'all remember those, uh, ever read those fairy tales where you've got this, uh, this young man who's living like as a peasant, but he's really a prince. And no one knows it at first, and they just think he's this commoner, but then through all of his adventures and stuff, they realize that he's a prince, that he's the son of a king, and he's got this great destiny on him. Well, that's exactly how we can describe ourselves. That story is true for you. It's because you live here in this world as an exile in this, in this common earth with everybody else, but truly, you have got a great destiny upon you. Your true identity as believers in Jesus Christ is that you're children of a king. All of you. Later on, we'll see in chapter 2, Peter calls you royalty because that is what you are. Children of a king, brother to a prince, heir to a wonderful destiny that God has meant for all of us. And we forget that. We forget that so many times of, of what God has done for us and what we are meant for. And we, we hear about the good news so often. We hear about the message of salvation so often. I think sometimes it becomes the background and we don't realize the enormity of the blessing that God has blessed us with. We've grown so accustomed to it. that Sometimes we forget how amazing it is what God has done for us. But Peter, when he opens this letter, is calling us to remember this, to remember the great things that God has done for us because as we remember that, we get to remember who we really are. We get to remember our true identity. And this is the identity he's talking about. I'm picking this up in verse 3. And Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us Pay attention to that. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that is who we are. We're people where he, Peter says we have been born again. Okay, but we're not just born again. He says God has caused us to be born again. So the action we see is all on behalf of God. This is not our doing. This is not something we did ourselves, made ourselves to be born again. It was God that caused us, it to happen to us because we can't do it by our own power. We can't do it by our own effort. It's got to be Christ that does it or it doesn't happen at all for us. 
So Peter reminds him, he says, you've been born again. That means we have been given a new life, a new lease on life. You get a complete start over. You're going back to zero again. Now, of course, physically, we don't get born again. You know, that may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing. But he starts us over spiritually. And it says we're born again. But we're not born in the same way. He doesn't just recycle us and starts us all over at square one so that we were in the same place where we started. When we're born again, we're born different. We're born completely different. This is what he says. I'm here at verse 4. He says what we're born to is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we're reborn, but we're not reborn in the same way. The first time we were born, we were born in this earthly body and in this earthly frame and even in an earthly spirit that we had with us. And our bodies are failing, our bodies are fading, and everything we have is defiled. And, and failing and fading means it dies, right? It's corruptive and it dies and it gets old. And that happens when we're born. And then, it, and, and then Paul talks about being, Peter, I'm sorry, defiled because everything is touched by sin. Everything is touched by the, by, the, by the specter of sin. He says, but when you're born again, he says, this time, you see what it says is, is undefiled. It's uh, untarnished. I'm sorry, what are the words he used? Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The opposite of all the ways we were born that first time. That was defiled, it was fading, and it was, and it was perishable. But now we're born again to a promise that is imperishable, that is undefiled, and it's unfading. Now this all sounds really great, except he, he does tag on there that it is kept in heaven, right? So it's this great promise, undefiled, unfading, untarnished, right? But it is kept in heaven. And that means the promise is not fulfilled now. It's not going to be fulfilled now in this life that we live. It's a promise for later. And this is where we get kind of a problem with it. And some of us will complain. You know, that sounds good, but, you know, an earthly blessing, that's something I could hold in my hands, right? That's something I can see. That's something I can touch, you're promising me some pie in the sky. You're going to get it later on. What, what about some blessing right now? And I'm going to say you got a point. You do have a great point. If, if you prefer the blessing right now that you can feel, that you can touch, and that you can experience in life, that is a great point. But remember, it's defiled, it's fading, and it's perishable. However great your blessings are here on earth, it's all going to be defiled by the touch of sin. It's all perishable. It's going to pass away one day. It's all going to die, and it's all going to crumble to dust. And even if, if you're so lucky and blessed enough that you can enjoy your blessings to the end of your life, as soon as your life is over, you lose it all. Every earthly blessing is gone. But this blessing that God has promised us, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, it's a blessing in heaven. It's a reminder that we're exiles. The great gift and the blessing that God is promising us is not in the life that we live here. If we, if we belong to the world, our blessing would be of this world, but we belong somewhere else, and that is where our blessing is. We are not people of the earth. We are not people of the world. We are people of heaven. And that is where the blessing is. God has given us is. 
And he goes on to talk about this blessing in verse 5. He says, this blessing, who by God's power, that is you, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. So Peter says, as you go through this life in your time in exile, you're guarded. God is himself is guarding you through faith. He's guarding you so that you might take hold of this blessing that we know is salvation. And he tells you when it happens. He says, kept in heaven for salvation, ready to be revealed. When? At the last time the last time. It's not a present blessing, but a future realization that is going to be fulfilled and revealed at what he calls the last time. So Peter's saying we're not just people that belong to another place. We belong to another time. We are exiles not just of place. We are exiles of time. Hey, have you ever met somebody that um, peaked early in life? You know what I mean by that? Somebody that is, that's peaked real early and it never got any better at a real like, youngish age. Probably high school is when you noticed it. Like you notice these, these guys, I know this one guy. I mean, in high school, he was it, right? He was the man. Everyone admired him. Everyone loved him. He seemed like the coolest person on the entire planet, right? I saw him in co when I was in college and he was like the exact same. And you can kind of forgive that. But then I saw him like 10 years later. And he was still the exact same in high school. I mean, the guy like peaked in high school and he stayed there either steady or kind of went down, right? And you don't want to be that person. You never want to be the person that peaks early, right? You, you don't want to be the Mets where there were 10 and a half games ahead in June. And then all at the last series, they lost it all. And the Braves took them over. Go Braves. All right. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be people who peak early. But Peter, this is great. He's saying you don't even peak in life. No matter how old you are, as long as you're here on life, you still don't peak. You know, you're going to be revealed at the last time. As in, you're going to peak when the whole world is finished. That's when you're going to reach your peak. And I'm telling you, the good news of that is the best is always in front of you. Okay, your best days are always in front of you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been here on earth. Your best days are still in front of you. And the older I get, the more relief that is to me. Because the older you get, you start to thinking that your best days are behind you. But Peter's like, no, they're not behind you. Okay, your blessing is going to be revealed at this last time. Your best days are still in front of you. Yes, you're in exile here in place, but you're also in exile here in time. And that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason that we can be happy. And we can be so happy about this that we can rejoice in suffering. I'm picking this up at uh, verse 6. He tells you this, In this you rejoice, knowing that we have this blessing, knowing that God has given us so much. In this we rejoice. He goes, Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter's reminding you that you can rejoice in your hardships because all of your hardships come with a purpose. 
All of your hardships come with a meaning. They're not pointless. None of your suffering is pointless. None of the pain that you've experienced is pointless. There is a point to it. It's testing the genuineness of your faith. And when we talk about faith, it's not just the simple uh, believing certain things. It's not just believing God exists or believing Jesus exists. It's not even just believing that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the faith that we mean by trust. That you just, you've got to believe these things. Yes, you do. But you have to trust God as well. And that's the faith we talk about. You believe these things and you trust God with your life. You trust God with your soul. You trust God with your salvation. And that is the faith that, that Peter is talking about that endures, that you go through your sufferings and all through your trials, and it's going to tell you, is your faith a sham or is it real? And, and, and there's nobody that gets out of life without suffering. Nobody. And yet it hurts, and yet it's awful, and sometimes it seems pointless. And I'm sure there's a bigger meaning to it somewhere in a grand scheme of things. But what we do know is that it does test the genuineness of our faith to let us know, is your faith real or is your faith a sham? And, and that doesn't mean it's not tested, okay? It, it, it is tested. It is challenged. I mean, Peter says it's tested by fire. And fire's got to hurt. And it's tested so much, sometimes you'll even doubt your faith. You'll even wonder if, if this isn't all a lie and if you haven't all been deceived. But when you go through this, you will, if your faith is genuine, it will be preserved. And you will emerge on the other side of your, faith, of your suffering with your faith intact. And in fact, your faith will be stronger. It'll be a pure faith. It'll be a more holy faith. It's like gold that goes into fire. Because once those impurities are burned away and all the pain of having to be melted down, the gold comes out a purer metal than it was when it went in. And here's where the joy comes in. He says the tested genuineness of your faith, if it passes through that fire and you keep your faith intact, and you hold fast to your trust in God, it will result in praise and honor and in glory at the revealing of Christ. And it's at this revealing of Christ that we come into our inheritance to be co-heirs with Jesus, and we are given a share of praise and honor and glory. I mean, you realize he's talking about you. The praise, honor, and glory, of course, goes to God, but in here, this praise, honor, and glory is going to be yours. It's your praise, it's your honor, and it's your glory. Now, I know some of you are thinking, like, well, I'm not supposed to get glory. That's not for me. All the glory is for God. All the glory is for God, but glory is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Everyone desires glory. Every soul desires to have a share of glory. It's only bad when you seek it in the wrong way. It's only bad when it's sought in the wrong things, when you try to elevate yourself, or worse, when you try to push someone else down. It's bad when you seek it through pride to try to make yourself to be a god. The, the, the show-off, the braggart type of glory. But there's a good way to glory. It's obedience and faith. A good way to glory is through humility and through trust in God. That is our path to praise, to honor, and to glory. 
Because at these last times, it's not just Christ who's going to be revealed. You are going to be revealed. That's right. Everybody is going to see, who, see you for who you really are. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you. Okay, I'm not saying that to scare you. It's not a threat at all. It's a good thing. Because at that time, it's the genuineness of your faith that is going to be revealed. When Christ is revealed and you are revealed, people will see the genuineness of your faith. They will see that you trusted God. They will see that you trusted Him through all your trials, through all your troubles, through all your struggles, through all your doubts. You held fast to your faith, and that genuineness is going to be revealed. And I know you're worried like, well, what about my sins? They're not going to exist. Your sins aren't going to be revealed because those have been washed away by the blood of Christ. They've been redeemed by Christ and you've been clothed with his righteousness. So when you are revealed and the whole world sees you for you who, who you really are, they will only see the glory of Christ reflected in your faith. You will be revealed as a child of the king, an exile was finally brought home. This is who you are. This is who you really are. An exile in this world, a child of destiny. You're made for greater things. I mean, have you ever felt sometimes that you don't belong? Anyone ever felt like that? Like, I just don't belong anywhere. You know what? You're right. You don't belong anywhere here. You belong with the Lord. Have you ever had the feeling that, gosh, there's got to be something better than this? Trust that feeling. It's a right feeling. There is something better than this. It's your real home with your real God and your real Savior. See, all this is done by and through the work of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it is a really big deal. And we always talk about the good news and the forgiveness of sins and salvation. And sometimes we talk about it so much, we've forgotten what a big deal it is. But I want to tell you, Peter tells us what a big deal it is. I'm going to leave you with these verses here, starting at verse 10. He says, concerning salvation, that's the gift he's been talking about the whole time. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And listen to this part. Things into which angels long to look. What you've been given the life and the salvation, the whole world for all history hungered after this. All the prophets, when they wrote about it, they hungered and they desired and they wanted it more than water and food and air. And in fact, Peter tells us it's so wonderful, even the angels just wanted to look at it. That's how great the salvation was, how great the promise and the grace was, is that even the angels of heaven, they were just like, I might not be given it, but can I just look at it? Can I just, just peek behind the curtain and just have a little peek at this wonderful salvation? 
Think about that. What the angels just wanted to peek at. You have been given fully. What angels long to just look upon has been given to you fully by God. So write this down. Okay? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are benefactors of a grace that has made you heirs with Jesus Christ. Benefactors of a grace that has made you heirs with Jesus Christ. And remember, it's a big deal. It's Peter's first advice for exiles. Remember, you are in exile. Remember that you do not belong here. Remember your home is another place. Remember your home is another time. Remember through all your trials, through all your heartaches, through all your struggles, that you were made for something more. And finally, above everything else, remember, please remember, you are children of the King. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.